You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is the Spoken Edition of Wired. Presented by the Salvation Army. Join the fight for good and donate by saying, Alexa, make a donation to the Salvation Army, if you're listening with Alexa. Or go to SalvationArmyUSA.org to make a gift. We Need to Change How We Talk About Game Studios Closing by Julie Muncie We need to change the way we talk about video game studios. But even more than that, we need to change the way we talk about them when they close. In the past year, according to PC Gamer, 10 major game studios have closed, each employing anywhere from a dozen employees to hundreds. From Capcom Vancouver, the developers of the Dead Rising series, to Visceral, an EA subsidiary responsible for the Dead Space games and working on a highly anticipated Star Wars open-world game, studios keep shuddering. The latest and perhaps most notable collapse is Telltale Games, the award-winning adventure game studio known for its legion of story-driven adventure games, the acclaimed The Walking Dead among them, terminated 275 employees recently. While the San Rafael, California company kept on a skeleton crew, it but sent the vast majority of its staff walking, reportedly with no warning and no severance. When a studio closes, there are generally two kinds of responses. From within the professional video game community, there's an outcry for the workers who have lost their jobs, sympathizing with their position, helping them find other jobs to apply for so they can land on their feet. That exists among the fan base as well, to an extent. But in the gamer community, sympathy and service, it's overwhelmed by another voice. This other voice is loud and shrill and always noticeable. It asks, and not kindly, what about our games? To find this voice, all you have to do is look at the replies on Twitter to Telltale's reports of its partial closure, or the various Telltale staffers who, in the wake of the layoffs, have been talking about the studio's possible cancellation of the final season of The Walking Dead. I don't want to point you to these responses. They exhaust me. But you can find them. Their tone even makes its way into press reports that cover Telltale's promise to find some way to finish The Walking Dead a promise that ignores the long history of worker abuse and studio mismanagement that led to Telltale's partial closure in the first place. 
Games are made by people, and if we care about games at all, we need to care about the people who make them. In fact, I think we need to care about the people a lot more than we care about the games. Studio closures are the result of a whole host of factors. Often, as in Telltale's case, it's clear-cut mismanagement. Sometimes it's economic factors that might be outside of anyone's control. Most of the time, it's a complicated mix of economics, questionable decisions, and the messy boom-and-bust nature of working in the video game industry. Whatever the reason, though, the results are the same. People lose their jobs. Often they go without severance or back pay. Often they lose their jobs after stints of high-stress, near-constant work, what the industry calls crunch, used as a tactic to finish games more quickly, leaving them both burnt out and out of work. These people are then unemployed, struggling in some of the most expensive cities in the world, all for the privilege of making video games people might like. It doesn't have to be this way. Labor laws could protect these workers, prevent them from the worst abuses of an industry that regularly closes studios after even successful projects are completed. A well-organized collective of developers could push studios to change. There are a lot of barriers to making that happen, some more surmountable than others. But right now, one of the most glaring is us, the commentators and fans who play and love these games and who too often prioritize the products over the people who make them. Our voices are too often used not to defend the people who make games but the games themselves, clamoring loudly for our desire to see the fates of characters like The Walking Dead's Clementine, but quietly, if at all, for the people who brought those characters to life. It's understandable to an extent. We care about these games. They've touched us, entertained us, changed us. It's natural to be protective of that. But none of that happens without the people who make games. So when they're abused and fired and forced to go without having their needs met, it should bother us. And frankly, it should bother us even if their games don't matter to us. Because they're people. And here, right here, is one of the dark secrets of the video game industry. The people who run things, the publishers and CEOs and market analysts that drive decisions, they're terrified of their audiences. They know how reliant they are on the people who play games, who build loyalties to characters and studios and platforms. When we speak, they listen. Often, this is used to enable the worst tendencies of the video game industry, as small but vocal portions of the gaming audience cry out with casual disregard for other people. But it doesn't have to be that way. Those of us who care can start shouting something else, that those who make our games deserve better. They deserve laws that will protect them and jobs that will treat them well. Those of us who buy video games may not be able to change that alone, but it will help. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. 
you'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.